I don't love being a part of Journey Church. I do. I'm just telling you. I love it. I love seeing what God is doing and just see little clips like that. And uh, you see lives being changed. You see people worshiping. Uh, man, I love being a part of it. And I'm excited for these seniors over here. If you guys would give them one more hand. I know they're probably tired of people clapping for them. But it's a, it's a big day for them. It's a big moment. And I, I love for us to celebrate things. I love to celebrate life change. And uh, I love to celebrate moments and stuff. And I think it's always important that we take the time to celebrate moments and accomplishments. And you know, especially like birth and men. And, you know, we celebrate someone being baptized. I mean, that's a big deal. So I love to be able to celebrate those things. And, uh, you know, and, and we're at a moment for these students where they've accomplished a goal. And oftentimes they, they're already thinking about the next one. And we already ask them, hey, what are you going to do now? Where are you going to school? I mean, what's your goal? What's your plans? And oftentimes I think that many times seniors... Um, as they're graduating, hear the wrong thing. Because oftentimes what we do is we give them cards and we tell them, we say, hey, listen, go chase your dreams. Go do whatever is in your heart. And I think that's bad advice, to be honest with you. I think that what we ought to be challenging our, our seniors and our children is say, hey, listen, chase after God. Chase after God's plan and God's purpose for your life. It'll be the most fulfilling place to be. Because oftentimes our dreams and desires don't line up with God. They don't line up with His Word. You know, and so sometimes we say, hey, listen, you go chase after those dreams. You go do whatever you want to do. And oftentimes those are not what God has put in their heart. And so I would just say this, that to all of us in this room, that we don't always just chase after our dreams and our desires, but we say, God, I want to chase after You. God, I want to know Your will and Your purpose and Your plan for my life. And, and God, I want, to, I, want to, I want to be literally a person of influence for You, for Your kingdom. If you've got your outline, you can take it out and uh, kind of follow along. In, in today's message is living my life for a limitless God. To realize that we have a God who is limitless. I mean, He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. He knows everything about us, every detail of our life. He's all-powerful. There's nothing that can stop Him. Nothing can stop Him. I mean, think about that. I mean, we, we have a limitless God... And I think whenever we begin to line up with God, we chase after God, and we're surrendered to God, that really our limitations seem to go away. You know, and, and, and what we often do, though, is we, we live lives that are limited by the lies of the evil one. And I want you to look at a passage here. It talks about, or look at the definition of limitless. Limitless was without end, limit, or boundary. I think it's a no-brainer. But look at this passage here. It says, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. And, and a lot of athletes will write that in their hat or on their jersey or something like that, or they'll they'll have that and they'll claim that. And oftentimes we tie that only to a ball game, whether it's soccer or baseball or whatever it might be. We kind of tie it to something like that. And really, it ought to be tied to our life. Man, I can do all things. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can do anything and everything through Christ who gives me strength. That ought to be our mentality, right? As a believer, as a follower. But oftentimes, as, as followers of Christ, we don't live that mentality. Sounds good in a ball game. Sounds good in a helmet. Sounds good written in your cap. But what about written on your heart? That you really believe that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You believe that, man, you know, God, God, whatever you desire, if it is your will, if it is your plan, if your purpose, there's nothing impossible. There's nothing impossible with God. And so to live a life for a limitless God... And so, here's the thing is, we often believe the, the lie of the enemy. It says the lie of the enemy is that you are limited or disqualified by your past, your weaknesses, or your abilities, or your lack of abilities. And so, oftentimes what we do is we listen to this lie that we are disqualified by our past. You know, there's things that we've done in our past. We will never be able to do this because of our past. We'll never be able to do this because of it's a weakness of mine. We'll never be able to do that because my, my skill set is not there. There's some of us in this room that we've already said, hey, listen, I'll never speak publicly. I'll never sing. You know, I'll never be able to do this and never be able to do that. And we kind of go down this list of things that we've disqualified ourselves for. There's some of you that you think, man, we need some great godly People leading our cities and our towns. and In other words, being, being godly politicians, if you will. But we think, man, I would love to, but man, I would never be able to do that because they'd go back and look at my past. They would find out too much dirt on me because, man, if you ever go public that you're going for something, they're going to go back and dig up everything they can, and they will. So we go ahead and just agree with them. We say, all right, I'm disqualified. 
And what we need is we need godly leaders leading our cities and our towns and our nation. And what we do is we disqualify ourselves and we believe the lie of the enemy and we say, well, I'm not good enough and I'm not smart enough and I'm not sharp enough and, and I don't have what it takes. And so we begin to limit ourselves. Satan has lied to us. We believe the lie. And then all of a sudden we, we limit ourselves. We go ahead and say, I will never do that. I will never do this. And we make a list of those things that we will never do. Instead of going, God, if you want me to, God, if it's your desire, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And so I, I want to just challenge you guys as students, as seniors, don't set, you know, limits on yourself based on what you think I've already messed up or what I can't do. Don't buy into the lie that Satan's going to feed you that you're not good enough, smart enough, or qualified. There's a story here of Gideon. It's one of my favorite stories. I love the story of Gideon. And so Gideon... It's one of those who didn't really believe in himself. He didn't believe that he was much of anything. But God had different plans. And he becomes a hero. And so let's, let's pick up the story here. It says, The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. You might want to remember that. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. And the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. And whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of east of the east would attack Israel, encamping in the land, destroying crops as far as far away as Gaza. And they left the Israelites uh, with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. And these enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. And they arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count. And they stayed until the land was stripped bare. And so Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. And then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. And so you, you see this, this picture, and I don't know if you guys have ever watched like National Geographic or any of the, uh, you know, nature type videos where it, it, it'll show literally a, a, a like locust coming in and they'll literally darken the skies. It's like a, a cloud, a black cloud of fall on the land and they're just everywhere. And when we look at back in the Old Testament, we see where the locusts would come in, they would devour the land. And, uh, everything, you know, they just, and they couldn't do anything with them. And so here's the thing is, they were talking about, you know, here's Gideon and the Israelites and all of them. And they're literally, they're talking about how cruel and mean these Midianites are and all these people. And, and how they would come in on so many camels, man, it was just hordes of them. And, and they would just kind of fall on the land and literally take over everything. And they were cruel. And so imagine this. So here's all the Israelites, who's God's chosen people, literally in hiding. And so it says they made for themselves hiding places. So whenever, hey, here comes the bad guys, they would run and hide. Here comes the battle, they would run and hide. So that's what they were doing. They were literally in hiding. And, and, I, and, and there's a few statements here that I think that we could kind of apply ourselves. We think it's safer to hide than it is to uh, live, be who we really are in Christ. We think it's safer to hide than to be who we really are in Christ. You know, too often I feel like that we're afraid of what someone might think about us or say about us if they knew about our past. If they knew what we had done, they would... They wouldn't want to be around us. You know, how many times have you heard somebody say, man, you know, if I were to walk in that church, the roof might fall in. What they're doing is, hey, listen, if you knew what I had done, if you knew what I've been about, then, man, I don't even know if the building could hold it up. You know, and it's kind of that mentality. And so there's some of you that, you know, you're, you're, you're sitting here saying, man, I would love to be in a life group. You just heard them talk about life groups and, and building community. And many of you guys are like, man, I, you know, I'd like to be a part of a life group. But if they knew everything about me, they may not want me in this room. If they knew everything about me, they may not want to be my friend. If they knew what I had done, they not, may not want to hang out with me. And so oftentimes that's our mentality. You know, this past week I, I had a couple that I was meeting with and, and we were talking about how we're fellow strugglers. We're, we're going through life together. We're in this, this battle together. And he was talking about whenever he would walk in, he would often, just hearing the music would make him begin to weep. He said, man, I'm not a crier. He said, I would be sitting here in, in the teaching and oftentimes I would, I would tear up. And it's the power and the presence of God in the room. Isn't that awesome that that's the environment that a guy is walking into? And I was sharing with him, I said, man, we're all just fellow strugglers. We're all broken people who are going through life and we, we draw strength from one another. We draw encouragement from one another. But we're all just broken people. And he goes, well, I feel like I'm the only one in the room that has some of these problems. I was like, no, dude. That's what this room is filled with. Broken people who need a Savior. Sinful people who need a Savior. That's what this gathering is. There's nobody perfect here. And, and, and so I, I think a lot of times we think I'm the only one. And it's a, again, it's a lie from Satan that says you're the only one like that. 
And I'm just telling you, this room is filled with people that are broken, that have a past, that have weaknesses, and that struggle with maybe being able to do certain things that they want to do because they have been believing these lies that Satan has fed them. So we think it's safer to hide than to be who we really are in Christ. And here's what I love about it. Is oftentimes what we do is when we come when we come clean, we begin to share with people maybe what we have done or what we've struggled with or what we have gone through. You know, people say, you know, God's grace is amazing. And you know, man, thank you for sharing that. You know, and so here's the thing, God often uses what you've gone through to help someone else on that journey that may be just a few steps behind you. And so as we, and I love how God works, what we uncover, what we literally uncover and share with others, He covers with His grace. And what we try to hide, we think that nobody will ever find out. God says that He will bring it out into the light for all to see. And so it's important for us to understand that God's desire is that we are open and transparent. This past week we were, we were meeting and we were talking about our Titus 2 ministry and our Forge ministry, which is a discipleship thing that we do for men and women. Men discipling men, women discipling women. And one of the things that the, uh, they were talking about as they were sharing their uh, testimony in there was about the transparency that it takes. And, you know, and just being transparent and open about our failures and our struggles. Now, here's the thing. Some of us, what we'll do is we'll go, ooh, I would never go to that because I, want, I don't want them to know about my past or about my failures. But what Satan is doing is he's lying to you. And what God is saying, hey, listen, ooh, if you'll just share those failures and struggles, I'll use them to bless you and to bless others. And so what we do is we have to be careful that we don't hide our struggles and hide our failures. Now, it's not one of those things that we often have to get up and just tell everybody what we've done wrong. But what we do is we, we share that in certain situations and it oftentimes will encourage others. And so, here's, here's the Israelites hiding. And, I, and there may be some of you in this room that you just need to hear that, you know what, man, it's time for me to stop hiding and, and, and embrace, you know what, this is who I am. This is, what, this is what God has made out of me. Some of the struggles and some of the battles, were they my decisions, my poor choices? Yes. But you know what, God can use that. And so the enemy will be will not be satisfied until he steals, kills, and destroys you. And I hope you guys understand that the enemy, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him, the adversary, his job is to destroy you, is to keep you captive, is to keep you in bondage. That's what he wants to do. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Man, I hope you hear that because Jesus is telling us that. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus wants you to experience abundant life. Satan wants you to live in bondage. He wants you to buy the lie. He wants you to believe him. And, and he's a thief. He's a liar. says the enemy will take everything you give him. The enemy will take everything you give him. And let me say what I mean by that. It's too often there's believers, there are followers of Christ, there's some of you that have put your faith in Christ that you're still buying the lie. And you're not living an abundant life. And you're not living a, a bold life. You're not living a powerful life. You're living as a captive to your past. And as long as you keep giving Him your life, and as long as you keep giving Him your future, He'll take it. He'll take everything that you're willing to give Him. And here's the thing. You don't have to. We have been given, we have been given freedom from sin. Power over sin. We have been given the, the authority to be able to say no to temptations. We don't have to give in. Oftentimes we'll say, well, Mike, I'm going to be tempted and I know I'm going to sin. We will. We, we will probably fall. But here's the thing. We don't have to. But we often choose to. And so we're living a life as one who is defeated whenever we have been given victory. Jesus defeated the grave. He defeated death. He defeated sin. And He literally places the power of God within us as believers. And so we have the power of God, literally the, the authority of God, literally dwelling within us through the Holy Spirit. And then yet we walk in defeat. Jesus said the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. John 10.10. 10. Many of us know that. Listen to that. A rich and satisfying life. Now many of us will go, rich, right, that means money. No, no, no. That's not what Jesus was about. Jesus was about what? Relationships. The richest thing we can have in life is often relationships. It's not money. It's not stuff. Jesus didn't have a lot of stuff, did He? I mean, I don't remember it talking about a lot of stuff. I don't remember it talking about a lot of money. But I remember it talking about freedom and healing. And I remember it talking about relationships and eternal life. That's rich. And so Jesus wants to have a rich and abundant life. And then look at what it says in Peter. 
It says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your what? In your faith. In other words, believing. Be strong in your faith and your confidence in God. Be strong in your faith in the, in the belief of God's Word. Be strong in your faith in what God says about you. It says, remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. And so, listen, the Bible is saying, listen, there's people all around you that are going through some of the same battles. Laura said it last week in her video. She goes, we all have ups and downs. We all have challenges. Is it tough? Yeah, it can be. But then the power of God, lean into God. Lean into the Spirit. Lean into the Word of God for guidance. And so we've got to be willing to say, God, help me. God, fill me with Your Spirit. God, fill me with Your wisdom. And help me to navigate this road that is ahead of me. And so, one of the things we have to do is we have to, you have to quit running and hiding so that you can stand and fight. We've got to quit running and hiding so that you can stand and fight. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever, you know, like seen an animal that's being chased by another animal, you know, and he's trying to get away and then all of a sudden he realizes he can't get away, so he just turns around and he's, he's ready to fight. He turns around, maybe he's snarling and whatever, you know, and maybe the animal is chasing kind of backs off, then like, whoa. Didn't know he was going to fight. I thought this was going to be a chase type thing, you know. And so there are times that we, as believers, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we have to be willing to take a stand and fight. We've got to be saying, you know what, I'm tired of hiding. You know, and, and, and maybe, you know, we've got something in our past and we go, you know what, man, I'm tired of hiding this. And I'm, you know what, Satan, I'm, I'm tired of you using it. To, to hold me in captivity, to hold me in bondage. I'm tired of feeling the way that I'm feeling based on your lies, and I'm tired of listening to it. And so we've got to be willing to turn around and say, you know what, Satan, I'm done with you. Get behind me. Leave me alone. In Jesus' name, get out of my life. Quit attacking me the way you're attacking me. And through the power of prayer and through the power of fasting, you know, I'm going to claim this area, and I'm going to, I'm going to claim victory. And there are times we've got to be willing to stand and fight. This past week in our state, we had a very touchy subject that came up. It's abortion. And so here's the thing about abortion. Abortion touches a lot of families and a lot of lives. And, and there are many people who have different uh, opinions about what took place with our, with our state and with this law on abortion. And there's a lot of opinions out there. And here's the thing I would just tell every one of you guys. Your opinion really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. What matters is what God's Word says. And so, and so I've had this discussion, you know, I said, you know, I even talked about it with my boys. I said, you know, I would, it, would, it would be horrifying, terrifying to think about my wife being raped and then to be impregnated by some guy and, and, and so for her to have to have that child. But here's the thing, I've got to make the decision, do I believe that that's a child? And I do. I believe that God's Word says that the, the child is knit together in the mother's womb. Now, would I want my wife to have to go through that? Absolutely not. But I've got to make the decision, do I believe that's a child or not? And my decision is, God's Word says, it is a baby. That life has begun. Now, is it convenient? No. Is it hard to deal with? Man, that's, that's going to be a tough road. But do I believe it's a baby? And I understand all about convenience. And I understand about decisions. But I'm just telling you, there comes a point, and, and a lot of people, even religious leaders have said, hey, that's too much, that's too much. Well, there's certain things you've got to be willing to fight for. And you've got to be willing to take a stand and say, you know what? This is what I believe. Push back, whatever is coming, the media, whatever it might be, you've got to be willing to say, this is what we believe. This is what we believe. You know, and if we're going to fight, we've got to be willing to fight for it. And so I'm just telling you, there's going to be times that, you know what, you may not agree with it. And you may have to work through where you stand on that. But I'm just telling you, I believe that that child, if it's a child, you know what, then it needs a right to life. That's what I believe. And so I've got to be willing to fight for that and say that I believe that it's true. And hopefully we, as a church, we as people, we as followers of Christ will have that same mentality. That we'll weigh it out. And listen, and you may, and, some of you, and I'll just say this, in the room this size, I promise you, abortion has affected some of you in one way or another. But let me just tell you this, and there may be some of you in this room that you've had an abortion. Do not let that lie over here about your past that, you know what, you can't be used by God in the future. God can heal that wound. God can use your testimony. I mean, think about the movie that's out right now. You think about some of the stories that we've heard where women have shared what they went through and then they come out of that and they come out and they literally talk about their past and their worst decision ever that they feel like. And God will use them to minister to many, many women. God never wastes anything. And I promise you, 
He wants to use you to touch lives and to make a difference in the lives of others. And let me just say this. There, we talk about that from a woman's perspective. Let me just talk about it from a man's perspective. There's a man that's been a part of that relationship. That was the donor or whatever. You know, and, and maybe you're carrying that weight as well. God can heal that weight and He can use your story to touch the life of someone else. And here's a maybe save a baby's life. Maybe save a child's life. We look in the Scriptures, we see that, you know what? There's murderers all through the, the, the Bible that God would use again. King David, he was a murderer. But God would use him to do great and mighty things. He would, he would use him to gather the, 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 the uh, supplies to build the, literally the, uh, the temple. And, and so we, we can look back. We look at Paul. Paul was an accomplice to murder. He's sitting there holding the jackets while these guys are stoning Stephen. But yet God would use him to write the majority of the New Testament. Some of the passages that I'll read today are what Paul wrote, literally inspired by the Spirit of God in him. And so God uses those people. God would take prostitutes and He would write about them. And Jesus would literally spend time with them. And so it doesn't matter what's in your past. It's what God has for your future. And so too often we live as captives to our past and to our weaknesses and even poor decisions. But God is saying, hey, listen, sometimes you have to just stand and fight and move forward. And so look at what it says here. And the angel of the Lord came and he sat beneath the great tree at Oprah, in which belonged to Joash of the, the clan of Abazir. And Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And, and, and so here, there's some things I want you guys to hear in this. Is there's a time to fight. And so God is telling Gideon, listen, hey, listen, you're a mighty hero. And here he is, think about this, a wine press. You've probably seen people stamping around, stomping the grapes. And, and, and it's built in such a way to hold the, the, the literally the, the wine juice and stuff in there. So they're stomping. So he's down in the thing hiding. You can almost see him kind of looking out like, is anybody out there? And he's just trying to get enough enough flour to make some bread. He's just trying to get some wheat together to make a little bit of, maybe a, a, a ball of bread. There's not much. And he's hiding. And the Lord says, mighty hero. Calls him a hero. Doesn't look like one. Doesn't sound like one, but here's the thing. The Lord meant God believes that we're enough. And so I want you to understand this. Some of you in this room need to know that, what you know what? You are enough. God believes in you. God left heaven and came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ because of you. You know, there may be some of you in this room that you've been told your whole life you'll never amount to anything. You'll never really make any kind of impact. You know, I, I mean, I wonder if you'll live to a certain age or whatever. But God says, hey, listen, you are enough. You're enough for me to leave heaven to go down there and literally go to the cross for you. You are enough that Jesus went to the cross and bled out His precious blood. He, was, he took a beating for you. You are enough. He was motivated by you being in right relationship with Him. You are enough. And there's somebody in this room that maybe you need to hear that. You are enough. You are important. And God has a plan and a purpose for every life in this room. Born or unborn. I mean, God has a plan and a purpose for every one of us. God sees our potential. The thing I love about God, God is all-knowing, so He knows the future. He knows what you'll be. He knows what you'll, you'll accomplish. He knows what you're going to do. And so oftentimes, God is saying, Hey, listen, Mike, just lean into me. I got this. Mike, just lean into me. We know what's coming. I know what's coming. And so there's times that He may be telling you, Hey, listen, lean into me. I know where this is going. Just trust me. Just trust me. And, and, and maybe you're going, I, I, I can't see it. I, you know, I can't, I can't figure out what it's going to look like. I remember whenever Laurie and I, we built our house, you know, I, I'm one of the, I can, I'm a visionary. I can see things and I can kind of figure out what it's going to look like before I ever, you know, I'm ever there. I don't know if that makes sense, but I can kind of envision what it will be like. And so when we built our house, you know, I kind of had it laid out. So Laurie calls me, she goes, hey, this, this pad is way too small. I mean, there's no way this is going to be our house. And if you guys have ever experienced this, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm like, baby, if you'll just wait until the walls are up, I think it'll make sense. And, uh, but for her, she could not see it. We got, we had tape measure. All right, see, this is that size. I mean, have y'all done that? And I'm having to prove to her, I'm telling you, it's big enough. It's, it's going to be the right size. And after the walls begin to go up and everything begin to take shape, she was like, I see it now. And there's been times that we've had to do that here. You know, we try to envision, hey, what would that room look like? Or what would this facility look like if we did this? And, and, and so we've got to be willing to say, you know what, God, you know what it will look like. God, you know what my life's going to be like. God, I trust you. God, I'm going to lean into you. And so God sees our potential. God is God in you is enough. And, and let me say this. If you're a child of God, if you put your faith in Christ, if you have received Jesus is Lord. You have the power of the living God inside of you. He 
is more than enough. Greater is He that is in you than anything that is in this world. Greater is He that is in you, the power of God that is in you. Greater is He that is in you than anything. So you can do everything through Christ who gives you strength, right? And so the very God that is in you, the power of God that is in you is enough. And then here's the other. God sees the hero in you. God sees the hero in you. God wants to work in you. And I feel like there's a part of me, you know, that I, you know, that most of us, we begin to play down who we are. We're our worst critic, right? If you ever watch yourself on video, you go, man, I look like I gained 40 pounds on video. Or you hear yourself on, on audio, you go, gosh, I sound horrible. Sound like the biggest hick in the world. That's why you know, I don't want to do a voicemail. I'll just let it go to the automated one, you know? And, and so we, we, we critique ourselves, and a lot of times we're hard on ourselves. But here's what God wants to say to you. He goes, hey, you're a hero. And there may be some of you in this room, maybe I just need to go around and say, man, God wants, He sees the hero in you. 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 And you don't see it, but God sees the hero in you. He wants to use you to do, to do great and mighty things. He wants to use you to invest in people. He wants to use you to make disciples. He wants to use you to literally teach and offer life to people. He wants to use you to sing and lead people in worship. He wants to use you to train and equip people for the works of ministry. He wants to use you to take the gospel to a foreign land. He wants you to be a hero in people's lives. You know, what do we think about a hero? Like all these Marvel movies, they're all saving what? They're saving earth, right? Well, whenever we become followers of Christ, we have put our faith in Jesus, we become literally those who can literally have the message and the power through our words for them to hear it and put their faith in Christ and be saved, not just for this life, but for eternity. And so we literally become that person that has the, has the, the power within our hands and within our lips to be able to share the gospel with someone that can change their life for eternity. That's more than what any Marvel character can do. And so God sees the hero in you and He sees the hero in me. He says, if you'll just follow me, if you'll just trust me, if you'll do what I say, you'll save lives through the Word of God. The Word of God, you become the messenger. I don't save anybody. Jesus does. But I become the messenger with the power to do that. And so look at, let's look at this. Who do you listen to? Ask yourself this. Who do you listen to? You know, we often tell our kids, hey, listen, garbage in, garbage out. What kind of music do you listen to? You know, we, we tell our kids that, and we tell them, hey, listen, you need to make sure that you're listening to something positive. You listen to K-Love, or listen to, you know, Way FM, or listen to something positive. And, and it's truth in that. If you listen to enough garbage, your mind is, is trashed. And that's just the way it is. And, and I know some of you mamas and daddies are like, yeah, I don't want them to listen to certain types of music, but yet you will listen to garbage. I mean, some of the golden oldies that we love, if you go back and listen to what they're saying, there's garbage in there. Some of the country songs that we think, well, you know, the country is okay. No, go back and listen to what it's saying. I mean, it has the time they're worshiping alcohol or beer or, you know, liquor or something. They're, they're worshiping a bar. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a jacked up mentality. But here's the thing, we like it. That's what we grew up on. Golden oldies or whatever. And so here's the thing, we tell our kids, hey, be careful what you listen to. And I say be careful who you listen to. Do you listen to God who has your best interests in mind? Or do you listen to the enemy? Do you listen to the God who created you, the God who knit you together in the mother's womb, who says, listen, I have a plan and a purpose for you? Do you listen to the one that says, hey, listen, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly? Or do you, hear, do you listen to the one that says, I've come to destroy you, to kill you, to ruin you? It says the enemy will tell you your failures prove that you're not enough. You're a drug addict. Who would listen to you? You're a drunk. Who would listen to you? You're a failure. You've been divorced this many times. Who would listen to you? You know what he says? I mean, the, the, the enemy lies to us, but yet Jesus says, Hey, listen, I've come to redeem you. I've come to reclaim what the locusts have stolen. I've come to give you a hope and a future. I've come to give you a new name. I've come to give you a new heart. That's what Jesus says. So, Mom and Dad, let me ask you, who do you listen to? Who do you listen to? Do you, do you listen to the one that speaks life over you and offers hope? Or the enemy who lies to you and tells you you're not good enough and your past has disqualified you and your weaknesses, you'll never be good enough. You know, I've shared this before. I grew up in a home with, with, with my dad. My dad was not a follower of Christ. And, you know, and, and so it was, a, it was a strained relationship. And so my dad was real negative. and would often tell me, you know, say negative things, what I couldn't do. So I grew up pretty insecure, believing that you know I, 
I'd never be this or I'd never be that. But whenever I became a follower of Christ, I began to read the Scriptures and I began to hear what God said about me. And, and the more that I began to understand what God said about me, my Heavenly Father, the more that I believed that God could use me. And there may be some of you that you grew up in a home where your dad was always putting you down or your mom was always putting you down and you don't feel like you'll ever accomplish anything because that's what you've been told your whole life. Well, it's time to listen to your Heavenly Father who says that He wants to do great things through you and He sees the hero in you. And so, Mom, Dad, you know, maybe you've lived your whole life trying to prove to your dad that, you know what, I am good enough. Or your mom, I am good enough. You don't have to prove it anymore. You just have to believe and know that you are. The enemy will feed you lies until you begin to believe God's truth. See, too often what we do is we believe the lies, but if we start spending time in God's Word and we begin to believe His truth, man, it empowers us. It's like throwing, it's like throwing fuel on a fire. And we begin to believe the things of God. We begin to believe in the message of God. We begin to believe in the power of God. And here's the thing. We begin to believe God, right? And when we spend time in His Word, it fuels us. It motivates us. It is our sustenance. And so, I want to encourage you to spend time in God's Word and not listening to the lies. Here's another one. Too often we play the blame game. You go back to the beginning of the Bible, you see Adam and Eve. Hey, who committed the first sin? Was it man or woman? Was it Eve? Nobody wants to answer to They're like, dang, it's a trick question. What's he asking? It was Eve. It was the woman. It's her fault, right? Guys, y'all should have jumped in on that. Y'all should have jumped in and said it was the woman. It was Eve. Because that's what Adam did, right? He blamed her. Adam said, God, it's, it's her. It's that woman you gave me. It's his fault. It's God's fault, right? Adam begins to blame God. He begins to blame the woman. And isn't that what we do? We blame people. It's my daddy's fault. It's my mama's fault. It's the environment I grew up in. Man, you know, it's my environment. I'm a product of my environment, right? Isn't that what we blame everything on a lot of times now? We blame it on our family of origin. Man, I grew up in a jacked up family. I did too, but I didn't have to stay like that. Yeah, and I heard Pastor Dwayne sharing, you know, think about what he grew up in. But man, he didn't have to stay like that. Got through the power of God, he's been changed, been transformed. And now he's going out with a message of hope. I mean, you think about that. You know, there's power in the Word of God. There's power in a changed life. But what we do is we blame everybody around. It's somebody else's fault. And let me tell you, there's something powerful and freeing when we take ownership. We, we, we've talked about this past week. Whenever we say, hey, listen, that's on me. That's my mistake. Then the people around you look at you and they go, okay. Taking ownership. That's, it begins to take some of the tension out of the room. But it's whenever you say, well, if you hadn't have done this or if you hadn't have done that, and we start blaming somebody else, the tension just kind of amps up. But when we say, that's on me, that's my fault. It's like it comes down a little bit. And, and, and so we, we have the tendency to play the blame game. And so did Gideon. Look at this. It says, Sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors you know, told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. See, Gideon's like, God, it's your fault. Lord, it's your fault. But remember we started out, it said the people did what? What did they do? Loud. It's not, they sinned. They sinned. The very first verse we read, they sinned. Y'all are going, I knew that. You know, but here's the thing is they sinned. And so they were living in sin. And so, but Gideon's saying, Lord, you, you, it's your fault. And what we have a tendency to do is we want to blame somebody else for our sin rather than go, why, did, why didn't Gideon say, you know, Lord, I want to confess we've been a sinful people. And we've been a, we have been living sinful lives. And we just want to come before you and ask you to save us, to, to redeem this nation. That's not what he did. He began to blame God. And a lot of times that's what we do. We want to blame God or blame somebody. And Gideon did the same thing. And so here's the key. Stop blaming others for your decisions and your failures. Stop blaming someone and just say, you know what, that was my decision. That was a bad decision. You know what, I made the wrong choice. That was, that was wrong. But you know what? I need to take ownership. Nobody made me do it. Nobody forced me to do it. That's on me. And so here's the thing I'm just telling you. Whenever you begin to take ownership of that, you begin to work on the relationships around you. And as you work on these relationships around you, you'll realize it comes from this relationship here. You take ownership. That is, that's confessing. When I, when I say, God, I confess you that I'm a sinner. I am taking ownership. Say, God, I am broken. I am, I'm a sinner. I'm a, I have messed up. 
And so we're taking ownership of that. God says, you know what? I'll forgive you. God, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. So when we take ownership and we confess it, He begins to wipe it away. And oftentimes it happens in these relationships here. When we confess it, we take ownership, they begin to offer forgiveness. Same thing God does. And so stop blaming others for your decisions and your failures. Take ownership. So stop blaming God. And maybe for some of you, you just need to hear that. Stop blaming God and take ownership of what you're doing wrong. God wants to bless us. I'm a I'm an earthly dad, and I want to bless my kids, but I can't bless them whenever they're they're doing things that I feel like you know doesn't honor God's word. And so the last one says you can't live in sin and expect God to bless you. You cannot live in sin. You can't live in sin and expect God to bless you. I Man, that's crazy. God, here's the thing. God hates sin. And, and too often we want to live in sin, but we want God's blessing. And we'll, we'll sit here and we'll beg for His blessings, but we won't, we won't desire His righteousness. We won't desire to do what is right in His eyes. It's like in marriage. There's a lot of times people come to me and they'll say, Hey, Pastor Mike, we want to get married. And I'm like, alright, so we meet. And, and, I, and I'll go ahead and tell you guys, I won't do the wedding ceremony for just anybody. Uh, I, I meet with people on the front end because I'll have people, Hey, will you do our wedding? I say, well, let's meet and let's talk about it. Because if, if there's certain things, you know, that aren't met, then there's no reason us wasting our time. And so oftentimes, I'll, some of the first questions I'll ask is, hey, listen, all right, so tell me a little bit about you. And they tell me about their background, how they met and everything. And I'll ask, are you living together? Well, yeah, we are. And so well, here's the thing I said, you can't expect God to bless this relationship the way that you want Him to bless it and live in sin. And, and usually it's a convenience thing. And it's a financial thing. I mean, and I get that. I mean, that's, that's simple. But it should be a righteous thing. It should be a God-honoring thing. And, and so I often will tell them, hey, listen, this, is, this would be my recommendation. That you guys need to move out and you need to live in separate facilities. And they're like, we can't afford it. Then figure something out. Give up something else. But here's the thing is you need to honor God with your bodies and not honor God with your, with your lives. Because you cannot live in sin and ask God to bless the relationship. And I'll go ahead and tell you, I know that's not popular teaching. And some of you guys are going like, man, he's old school. I am old school. I'm this old. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm that old. But I believe that it's truth. And if you really want God to bless you, then you've got to be willing to say, God, I want to line up with you, with your word, with your guidelines. And, and, and I understand, like I said, it may be the popular thing. It doesn't mean it's the right thing. And it may be the convenient thing. It doesn't mean it's the right thing. But we've got to be willing to say, God, I want you to bless me. It's not just in the area of relationships. But there's some of you, you say, man, I want God to bless my, my business, but you're not honoring Him with your finances. God, I want you to bless my finances, but you're not honoring Him by giving or tithing or anything. You're going, God, I want you to bless. I want more, I want more, but I'm not willing to trust you in this area. It doesn't make sense. So the thing is, is God won't bless us. He, he doesn't, here's the thing, He wants to bless us, but He can't bless us because He can't bless sin. He will forgive sin, but He will not bless sin. He will forgive sin if we confess it, but He will not bless it. And so, here's the thing. We've got to stop making excuses. Too often, we just make excuses. Hey, it's convenient. Hey, it's, you know, financially it just doesn't work out. You know, whatever the reasons might be. We've got to be willing to say, God, I want to quit making excuses. And so, look at what, what uh, Gideon does here. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. And so what Gideon said, Hey, listen, just so you know, even though I'm talking to this all-knowing guy, just so you know, our family, our clan, our tribe is the weakest in the whole land. We're the weakest in the whole land. And I am the weakest in my whole tribe. Well, he said, Hey, listen, I am the least likely candidate for this job. I don't know what you're thinking, but I'm just telling you, I'm not the person you're looking for. And, and that's the way some of us are. We, we'll go, I'm the least likely person in my family. My family's not well-to-do. My family's not well-educated. My family's this. My family's that. And so here's the thing. What we do is we start making excuses. And say, well, God surely couldn't use me. Not me. Because I'm probably the dumbest one in my whole family. I'm the weakest one in my whole family. Whatever it might be. But what God is saying, hey, listen, it's not what you bring to the table, it's what He brings to the table. God is the one that brings it. And so what we do is we make excuses. 
And then here, look at this next statement. It says, we are only defeated when we believe we are defeated. We are only defeated when we, we believe we are defeated. Because here, here's what I love watching a team, you know, or if I'm watching a sport or something like that, I love to see a team not give up until, until the, the, the last whistle or whatever, until the clock runs out. But they fight and they fight and they fight and they keep fighting until the end. Because here's the thing, is whenever you see them check up and you, and you realize, you know what, they've already checked out, they're already done, then here's the thing, they are defeated. They're just trying to let the clock count down until they're, they're, they're free, free to get off the court or whatever. But to me, if you say, you know what, there's always a chance, and you always believe there's a chance and you battle that. But see, here's, here's, here's the thing, some of you guys, you've already accepted defeat in something way more important than a ball game. You've already, you've already said, I messed up. I've already blown it. I'm not good enough. I'm not sharp enough. And, and so you're buying the lies of the evil one. You're buying the lies of the enemy. And you're disqualifying yourself. You know, and you're listening to him and you're saying, you know what? Not good enough. And so you're accepting defeat. And every Christian that I know has been told in Scripture that you have been given victory over death. You have been given victory over the grave. You have been given victory over sin. But yet, too often we live as captives to that. But everyone who's put their faith in Christ should no longer be walking as a captive or someone who is defeated, but we should be walking in victory. We should be able to wake up every day with a little bit of excitement about, it's a new day, man, and I have got freedom in Christ. I've got the power of God working in me. I've got joy in my soul. But how come so many Christians, so many followers of Christ, live as captives? We make excuses. It says if you're, if you're saved, you're a child of God. If you're saved, if you put your faith in Christ, you're a child of God. Think about that. You're a child of God. Now, here, here's a cool thing. Whenever I was knit together in the mother's womb, whenever you were knit together in the mother's womb, you were a creation of God. You were created by God. But whenever you accepted Jesus Christ, you became a child of God. Part of His family adopted into the family of God. You are co-heirs with Christ. And, and so, that, I mean, if you can get your mind around it, you begin to go, you know what, man, I'm a child of God. I am co-heirs with Christ. And then this last one there, it says, if you're saved, you're filled with the Spirit of God. We've been talking about that through the whole thing. Then the very presence and the power of God is at work in this broken individual. And so God wants to do great and mighty things through me. As long as I give Him the glory and the credit for it. Look at what it says here. In, in uh, six, Judges 6.16, 6, it says, The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Now, I don't have time to cover the whole story in great detail, but here's, here's what I love about this. So, we've already talked about how many people there were coming in. I mean, droves and droves of them. Literally, just the camels you couldn't count. And they came in like locusts, and they would fall on the land. And so, here's the thing. is Gideon kind of finally accepts this challenge and says, Hey, listen... I'm going to go out and do this. So he's got 32,000 men. 32,000 men. And so God says, hey, listen, ask all the ones that are scared to raise their hand. 22,000 raised their hand and said, I'm scared. And he said, all right, you go on home. And so literally 22,000 go home. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I bet Gideon's going like, all right, what in the world? I mean, we had 32,000. You know, this, I remember, we can't even count their camels. That's how many there are. But you're going to do it with 32,000. I mean, with, you know, 10,000 now? Okay. And then he says, hey, listen, take them down to the creek. We're going to sit, I'm going to sit them there. And he gets down there and they have to drink water a certain way, showing that they're alert. And he says, you know what? Send the rest of them home. So he, God whittles it down to 300. 300 people. 300 men. And then this is what he says. He says, listen, I want you to surround their camp. And he does a few things to kind of encourage, you know, Gideon. So Gideon hears, you know what, hey, God's got this. He says, I want you to gather around their encampment, and I want you to really, literally, I want you to bust these jars that have a candle in them, and I want you to blow this trumpet. And, and I mean, no weapons. No weapons. I mean, they got a trumpet. They're going to blow a trumpet, and they're going to bust a jar. Let's think about that. With all these, just, these, these hordes of people. And, and so literally, they are gathered around... And they bust the jars and they blow the trumpets and they say, A sword for the Lord and a sword for Gideon. And then all of a sudden, all these enemies begin to turn on themselves and literally begin to fight among themselves and destroy themselves. And they never had to raise a weapon. The, the band won the, the, the battle that day. Like, just blowing a trumpet, man. I mean, think about that. So, we think, hey, it's impossible. There's nothing impossible with God. 
You might say, God could never use me. Yes, He can. And you, you would never think, He would never use a, a jar with a fire in it and a trumpet to defeat just hordes of enemies. So what can God do through us if we surrender and if we believe? He can do great and mighty things. He can use us to impact people's lives. He can use us to offer hope. Look at what it says here in Romans 8, 31-34. It says, If God is for us, who could ever be against us? And since He did not spare even His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, won't He also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us, accuse us whom God has chosen for His own? No one. For God Himself has given us right standing with Himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ died for us and, and was raised to life for us. And He is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Think about that. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, pleading. I don't know if you can kind of picture pleading, but I, I see someone almost begging, pleading, interceding, saying, please, Father, bless Mike with the confidence that he needs. Lord, please, God, bless him with the hope that they, they need. God, p- please, Lord, bless... And I can just imagine Jesus pleading on my behalf. What's He pleading for you today? God, help them to overcome that past mistake, that past failure. God, help them to overcome whatever it might be. He's saying, listen, because I want to do great things in them and through them. So Jesus is pleading with you to say, hey, listen, trust me. He's pleading to the Father on your behalf. He said, listen, trust me. I'll work in you. I'll heal you. I'll set you free. So for the drug addict that's sitting here that thinks he'll never use me, he'll use you to help others find freedom. For the drunk that's sitting in here, he'll use you to help others find freedom. For those that maybe have made past decisions, like I said, God is going to say, hey, listen, whatever happened, I will use it to help others find freedom and healing. Look at these last few steps and we're done. Next step says, today I will believe what my God says about me. There may be some of you, somebody in this room needs to hear me say this. Hey, listen, I want you to listen and I want you to believe what God says about you, not what the world says about you. I want you to believe what God says about you, not what the enemy says about you. I want you to believe what God says about you, not what your mom or your dad may have said about you. But you need to believe what God says about you. You need to believe that, you know what, He believes in me. And He sees the hero that's in me. And look at the next one. I will put my faith in God as I face my battles this week. I will not put my faith in my own strength. I will not put my faith in anybody else but the one true God who, who controls all things, who, uh, who has power over all things, and who knows all things. He knows the future and how this battle will turn out, so I'm trusting Him. And then the last one, I'll put my faith in Christ and surrender my life today. There may be some of you today that you needed to hear, you know what, that God left heaven to come and, and literally chase you down, pursue you. There's some of you in this room that He's knocking on your heart right now and saying, hey, listen, I bled out for you. I want a relationship with you. I want to empower you to do great and mighty things. He just wants you to respond by faith. I want to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And You know, the Scriptures made it clear today. If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just and He will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Maybe today you just need to confess your sins. To God, forgive me. Father, forgive me. Maybe you need to hear Him say, I believe in you. I see the hero in you. There may be some of you in this room that you've never put your faith in Christ. You've never received Jesus for salvation. That's your step today. You want to be saved. You want to be part of His family. And I know that Satan has lied to you for years telling you you'll never be good enough. You've got to fix this, and you've got to quit doing this. But what he's saying, hey, listen, just trust me. So I want to lead you through a prayer of salvation. It's not necessarily the prayer of your lips as much as it is the prayer of your heart. And so right where you're at, just say, you know what, Jesus? You can pray this this prayer in your heart. Say, Jesus, I confess you that I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I want to ask you to forgive me. Jesus, will you forgive me of the sins I've committed? Will you forgive me for the bad things I've done? His answer is yes. Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you be my leader? Will you be my Lord? Jesus, will you fill me with your Spirit? His answer is yes. And so wherever you are in this room, if that's your prayer, by faith, I want you just to pray that to Christ. Say, Jesus, will you forgive me? Jesus, will you come into my life? Jesus, will you change me? Will you teach me to follow you? His answer is yes. If that's your prayer, 
The Bible says that you are now His child. No longer just a creation, but you're a child of God, part of the family of God. And you're adopted in to the body of Christ. If you just prayed that prayer, I just want you to raise your hand. Just say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer. Anybody in the room? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know how I can pray for you. Anybody else? Raise your hand. He said, Mike, that's for me. I just prayed that prayer. I just prayed to ask Christ to come into my life. Anybody? I see your hand. That's awesome. Anybody else? Proud of you. Listen, after the service, we want to give you a, a Bible. Put it in your hand. And we want to pray with you. But if you make that decision, maybe you're afraid to raise your hand. You can put it on a card and you can drop it in the offering basket. We want to follow up with you and help you take the next steps. But you know what? This room is filled with Christians. This room is filled with people that didn't raise their hand today, that maybe they've already made that decision years ago. Let me ask you, are you living a life of freedom? Are you living a life where you are, are listening to God? You're trusting God? You're believing God? You're walking a life of freedom? You're walking a life of healing? You're using your gifts to build up the body of Christ? You're making a difference? Are you, are you still living as a captive, listening to the lies of the evil one? I want to encourage you today to confess that as sin and say, God, today I'm following you. I'm chasing after you. And God, I believe that you've set me free today. You may have been saved years ago, but you know what? You've still been living in bondage. Let today, let the chains of bondage fall. Father, I claim that. I know that too often there are Christians who live as captives. And there's no reason we should. So, Father, I pray for every believer in this room today, God, as they put their faith in you, God, that they literally quit listening to the lies of the evil one, to the lies of this world. And, God, they listen to the truth of your word, and they listen to what you want to do in them and what you want to do through them. So, God, I I praise you for who you are. I thank you that you are the God of the universe. You're all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. And so, God, I thank you for being here today. In Jesus' name, amen.